Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Our mission is to reach, teach, and baptize throughout the world, beginning in our community, fulfilling the Great Commission by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. That simply means we're here to reach irreligious people and turn them into lifelong devoted followers of Jesus, equip them for a place of service in the church, and send them out on a mission for Christ in the world. We're glad you're with us today. I command blessings on you and your family today. some of the seed fell on the shallow ground it went down and it immediately sprang up but then when the sun came up it withered away and then he tells the story of a man that the same man that some of the seed fell among thorns and when it began to grow the weeds choked out the seed and then he says, some of the seeds fell in the good ground and it produced fruit. Varying degrees, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. The point is, is not the, the talent of the sower, it's the condition of the soil. The word is the seed. Now you can be hard-hearted and want no seed get in the ground. Pray with me now as we prepare for the seed of the word. Lord, thank you today for blessing us. The privilege of still yet in the new year early Thank you for the love that we have experienced. Thank you for who you are, the great God of heaven and earth, the maker and creator of all human life. Thank you that you're the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's because of that relationship that we have with him, we come on the basis of our association with Jesus and we pray now that you would purify our hearts and minds and plow the ground of our hearts that we may be ready to receive the Word of God bless us now forgive us of our sins remove from us anything that will block our understanding and increase our hunger and thirst for the truth. Bless the word that is in our mouth and the meditation that's on our heart, that it may be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about praying for right things, and this morning I want to look again at... Uh, couple of verses this time in the book of Ephesians 
Ephesians chapter 3. I want to look at a prayer in particular this morning. We've been talking about prayer. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21 will claim our attention for the morning. And there the word of God says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end amen this is the word of God for the people of God I want to preach this morning from this subject a prayer for spiritual power a prayer for spiritual power. Now, we, we've been talking about praying for right things. And we've already enumerated and laid out that there are some right things that you can pray for. And there are some wrong things that we can pray for. And we've already established the fact that many people, when they pray, they are praying only for material, tangible things. Things that they can touch, things that they can see, things that they can handle. But that was not the way the Apostle Paul prayed. And sometimes people ask me, they say, well, you, you tend to teach a lot of doctrine. I do, because doctrine will help you grow. You know, I can feed the flock with jelly beans. And people would have a sweet taste in their mouth, but their stomachs would be empty. So I tend to want to, I'm, 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 I'm through playing. I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in entertainment. I had a day when that was important. What is important now is for you to understand the word of God. And, 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 and when it comes to praying, prayer occupies 
both in our life or moves in our life at the regular physical level and at the deep level. And what we need to understand is how to get the most out of our prayer life. I mean, do you realize, I, I don't know if we do, but this is in the essence of what's in the text today, is that God has set you up to make a valuable contribution in your life. And, 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 and you can't even know the value of that contribution and it won't be known fully until you get to heaven. You know, that, 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 was, that was a song years ago, a white boy sung the song, you know, thank you for giving, for giving yourself to the Lord. I have a life that was changed. And I remember, I remember the day my mother passed. I was in Nashville, and I was riding around, and man, that song, I kept playing it over and over, over and over, and the tears just rolled down my face because all I could do was thank you, God, for giving me somebody who had given themselves to you. And, and, and I'm saying every one of you, God has put on the earth to make a heavenly impact on people and, and you don't know that impact and you don't know how you affect other folk people that you see people that you don't see people that you know people that you don't know so you you've got to understand that you need power in your life to carry out what God has placed you on the planet for. And, and, and that's what is in this prayer this morning. Paul writes this letter. It's a letter. to. It's a circulatory letter to the church. It's addressed to the church at Ephesus, but it's not limited to the church at Ephesus. It was a letter that was designed to be read to a group of churches. And in it, Paul lays out an understanding of who Christian people are. First, he says that, that, that you have been made to sit with Christ in heavenly places. Now, that, that, that's a spiritual context. You know right now you're sitting on your bottom and you're sitting right here. But that's not what he means. He means that the ultimate intent of God is that you will be seated one day in the realm of heaven. Do you believe that? What do you think you're going to be doing? Oh, I know what you've done. You've seen the pictures of TV. And you've seen people floating around on clouds and playing harps, and you think that's what you're going to be doing. That's somebody else's imagination. That's not the word of God. And, and, and not only have you been made to sit in high places, God had decided that ever before the world began. God has predetermined 
that there will be some things that will happen in your life. And he has predecided that there will be something that will not happen. And if God has decided that there will be some things that will happen, do you want them to happen? Then don't you need to pray that your will be done on earth as it already is where? In heaven. Because that's where it was decided. Are you following me so far? All right. And, and I know immediately you said, Lord, you intend for some good to happen to me on the earth. And Paul said, you, yep, you. You who were dead in trespasses and sin. That was a time when you were walking around the earth like a zombie. You were dead to spiritual truth. You didn't know who God was. You didn't have no idea. And frankly, didn't care. And so you were being led and blinded by the prince of the power of the air, who is the devil. And then he says, but God. Anybody had a but God moment? Who is rich in his mercy has saved you and it's by grace that you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves is a gift of God and he goes on to say and so when God saved you he wanted you to understand that you were created for good works that God had before ordained that you should walk in them. See, we, we, you know, we used the wrong verse, I, and I said it the other morning on the prayer call. We like to take uh, uh, Jeremiah 29 and 11, that verse that said, I know the plan I have for you, plans for good and, and not evil to give you a future and a hope, and we try to make that be the proof text. No, but throughout the word, God is making it clear that I do have a plan. It just wasn't in Jeremiah when he was talking about it because in Jeremiah he was talking to the people who were in captivity. But here God is talking to the church. So this is your verse. This is where God is saying, I had a plan for you. I have a plan for you that was predetermined that you would do some things while you live on earth and you would have a heavenly impact. And you can't know the full impact of that until you get there. And so meanwhile, you ought to pray for power. And that's what he says. He said, it's a prayer of sanctification. It's a prayer that God would set me apart while I live on the earth so that I can in my life accomplish the things that he intended for me to accomplish. Let me put it another way. Everybody got a plan for your life. They really do. I don't, tell, I don't care what you do. You go home, somebody else got something else they want you to do. You go to work, somebody else got something you want, they want you to do. Your children got something you want you to do. Your husband got something you do. Wife got something that they want you to do. All y'all know about the old honey do list. <laughs> honey do this. Honey do that. <laughs> and everybody got a plan for your life. But God has a plan for your life too. Yeah. 
And the question is, whose plan are you going to follow? Which one do you think has the greatest benefit for the impact that you are to make while you're on earth? God. Exactly right. Boy, you smart. <laughs> I know that's right. And so Paul is saying, listen to what he says. He says, so for this cause, that is for, for the reason that you might receive the power from God to be able to live in such a way and accomplish the things on the earth that God intends for you to accomplish during your natural days on the earth. He says, I bow on my knees. Now, 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 let me stop. Bowing on your knees, he wasn't saying that because that's the preferred posture of prayer. See, some people get, get lost. I, I, I remember, man, prayer could be made in a, different, a lot of different ways. The most common for the Jewish people, they prayed standing up. They prayed standing up with their hands up like this as if they were expecting to receive something from God. But even in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, Daniel knelt. He knelt three times a day and they saw him. They knew that he was going to be doing it. And they came to his house and they observed him doing it and they accused him of worshiping somebody else other than the king. So some people pray with their hands folded and some people pray with their eyes open and some people pray with their eyes closed. I don't really think that that is the big deal. I think it's the condition of your heart as you talk to God. Because sometimes I'm praying and I'm driving and I better keep my eyes open. I remember the first time, man, we went down to Kilby Prison down in, uh, on the other side of Montgomery. And I was on the preach that night. And I got up, man, you know, first time in, in, in prison. And those doors, were, man, you come behind those doors, those doors went clang. And it just scared the grease out of all of us. And so I had a little group of people, about 25 of us, that we were sitting down front. And I went up in the pulpit, and, and it was time for me to preach. So I start like I do. I start with prayer. So I said, uh, everybody close your eyes and we're going to pray. My wife looked at me. She said, you close your eyes. <laughs> she said, I'm watching these brothers. <laughs> but that was my choice, right? So Paul here is saying, I bowed on my knees because that's his choice of the posture that he wanted to be in. And the point is, he's ready now to talk to God on behalf of people. And, and what he's teaching here is that there is a need for us to pray. And I've explained to you before, a pastor's heart is that he is going to pray for his people. And Paul, the church at Ephesus was a, was a people that Paul was concerned with. A pastor has to do two things. A pastor has to teach people the word of God. And he has to be willing always to engage in prayer for them. 
And when I was going through this, man, I promise you, I went through a whole litany. I went through as many names as I could think of. I went through family names. I went to personal names. I went to your names. I went to people's circumstances that I know about because I want you to hear the content of this prayer. Paul gives five steps here. And the first thing he prays, he said, I bow on my knee and I pray to God that he will give you, and I'm just going to summarize it, inner strength. Listen at that. Man, who does not need inner strength? You cannot accomplish anything on the outside if your inside is weak. Your inside determines what you do outside. If your mind is weak inside, you're going to make weak choices outside. If your heart inside is weak, you're going to make terrible decisions outside. I was, I was laughing with a friend. We talked about T.D. Jakes. And Jake's a good guy, man. Love to hear him sometimes. Jake's recently came out with some man where he did an illustration. And in that illustration, he brought a brand new truck, big pretty truck out. And people were looking at how, how shiny it was. Then he opened the door of it and all the junk started falling out. And, and he said, and that's what it's like when you're trying to fool around with relationships. They might look all pretty on the outside, but when the door opened, all of the junk began to come out. And, if, yeah, and that's what it is. People, everybody look good outside. But if you don't pray for the inside. I, and man, I promise you, when I was reading that, I started praying. I said, God, help my sons. And I went down the list. I went through the whole family. I went through all of you too. Because we need to be stronger. Where? On the inside. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about inside the physical body. Inside the physical body, they can open you up. And there are organs and other things that are inside there. But he's talking about inner your mind. Where your will is. Where your decision-making processes are. Where your thought processes are. That's what needs to be strengthened. You can't accomplish great things for God. With a weak inner constitution. And so he says, I bow on my knees and I pray to God so that your inner man might be strengthened with might. That is, with power from God. Uh, notice, notice what, what, what he's talking about here. He, he, he continues to talk about how to be set apart for God so that you can accomplish those things. So the first thing is to be strengthened in, in your inner person, your inner man. And then he said, so that, and, and, and he goes to the second thing. I'm summarizing. It's right there in the text if you want to look at it. That Christ may dwell in you. Paul said, I want, I want your inner mind, your inner man to be strong so that you prepare for God to live on the inside so that he can take up residence there. And, and can, I, can, I, can I just tell you 
that you don't want to live just anywhere. I, you know, I, I mean, man, man, I talk about my mama. God bless her so much. But when we were traveling in the in the fifties and sixties, and we'd be going to Detroit and in them early years like that, she she would tell my daddy, "Now, Henry, if you stop this car, you gotta make sure that you pull over somewhere where the restrooms are clean." <laughs> oh, you catch that on the way home. Because it mattered to her where she put herself. Are you hearing me? Now, 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 if, if a human being thinks like that, do you think God just want to put himself anywhere in any kind of home, in any kind of condition? No, you don't believe it's true, do you? Okay, look at look, look look with me. In the Old Testament, that was an account where there was an old man whose name was Abram, right? Abraham, right? And God told him that he was going to bless him and make a great nation out of him and all the things like that. And, and Abraham had gotten old now, 100 years old. And his wife was 90. And God decided he was going to visit them and God and two angels came to Abraham's house it was his tent in the, in the, in the, in the plains of Mamre and God came inside and the angels came inside because Abraham's heart and mind were right and they felt comfortable Sarah got busy she made a meal they didn't even know that it was God and angels until the meal had been prepared and they wanted to serve it and the sacrifice was made and angel God disappeared out of sight. Okay, but look at this. In that same incident, God wanted to visit Lot because he had a message for Lot. But Lot lived in Sodom and in Gomorrah. And God wouldn't even go. He sent two angels down there. Y'all go down there and tell Lot to get out of there. Because God just will not take up residence anywhere. And, and so let me, let me tell you, God will not just live in your heart just because you want him to live in your heart. If you have not prepared a house for him to live in. If he comes to your house, what is he going to do? Where, where, where is he going to stay? He come in the kitchen and it's all cluttered with dishes. Trash everywhere. <laughs> Y'all don't hear me. He goes to sit down in the den and there's not a place for him to get. He goes to sit in the living room and, 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 and there are ugly stuff. Then he starts sniffing around and he smells a foul odor. And he discovers that the odor is coming from the closet. And you don't want him to open that closet because that represents all your stuff. <laughs> Y'all go hear me. How you gonna make a kingdom impact if God can't take up residence on the inside of your heart? 
So Paul prays, he prays, he said, he prays that God will strengthen your inner man. Look at that, man, that's a prayer. I got to pray that for you. I got to pray that for myself. I got to pray that for the family. That's what he said, I'm bound on my knees, that the whole family of God in heaven and in earth will, will, will be strengthened, will have that internal strength and would then take on a place for the indwelling of Christ. And then he continues, so that, so that you may know, number three, the incomprehensible love of God. See, I, God made every one of us to be the recipients of his love. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to say, God, love me. I'm over here. Please love me. God made you to be the recipients of his love. But because the devil has blinded people's eyes that they can't even see. Man, I've been sharing a, 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 one of those little videos that somebody sent to me that in, 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 in states like Ohio and in other states across the nation, in the school systems now, in the after-school programs, they are, are putting programs that are called Satan Networks. And it's an after-school program. And the news interviewed two parents. And one of the parents said, listen carefully. She says, nothing wrong with, with Satan. We don't, we don't Think of Satan as being some diabolical force. We think of Satan like Santa Claus or the tooth fairy. How deceived. How clear the blinders are on. If you think Satan is equal to the tooth fairy, you have been totally deceived. So he can sneak in, he can have his way, he can have a field day in your life. If you don't recognize what's happening. And there are so many people who are just walking around just so blind that have no idea. You hate like other people and you can't, don't even know why you hate them. You can't get along with nobody and you don't understand why you can't get along. Blinded eyes. Priorities misplaced. And you are here to make an impact. But you can't even begin to figure out where you are. Because you've been so deceived. And you don't think you need this kind of prayer. You're out here praying for new Christmas trees. And new shoes, new tennis shoes. Yeah, that's fine on this level, but on this level of where God is calling and on the level where God has set you apart to make some type of impact on people whose lives you come in contact with every day. And you don't know. I thank God that he let me be an educator for a while. And, and what I learned even about education, even about teaching, is it, it's a, it's a long-term kind of process. 
a, a teacher may get excited when a student's face light up because they have gained, understood the concept. But that's not it. See, you don't know the impact that you have made on a child until many years later. And I'm telling you, you're around here being ugly to people, around here being hateful, and God has set you up, and rather than you making the positive impact for eternity, you're turning people off and redirecting them even further to hell. Man, God, you need to be strengthened. We need to be strengthened in our inner man. Christ needs to take up residence in the clean hearts of our lives. And then we need to be able to understand what is the incomprehensiveness of his love. Listen, listen, it, he, Paul goes on to say, so that you can understand the, the breath. That is, that is how, how wide it is. The, the, the breath of God is so wide that it breaks down all barriers. No such thing as Jew and Gentile titles. He had written about it in the early part. He said, it was a mystery hidden from ages past. How God has done away with prejudice. Here we are on the eve of Martin Luther King Jr. And we got people lined up on both sides. The nation is divided right down the middle because they have not understood that out of one blood God made all mankind. It doesn't matter the color of one's skin. The man was right. It's the content of one's heart. The character that's within a person. To understand the breadth of the love of God, you cannot look at somebody else because they look different than you and think that somehow you are better or you are superior to someone else. Neither should you look at yourself and feel inferior because someone else thinks that they are superior. The breath breaks down all barriers. The length of the love of God. It ran from eternity before time was. And the love of God will run through eternity future when there are no more clocks. When there are no more calendars. When there are no more computers. When there's no record of time. When we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun. We'll know no less days than the hour when we first begun. That's the length of the love of God. And now how deep is it? It's so deep that it runs down deep and it brings people out of the gutters of hell. Some of you know you were there. You were at the guttermost, but God picked you from the guttermost and lifted you to the uttermost. I was lost in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within. I was sinking to rise no more, but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. What was it? It was love. God's love that lifted me. So deep that it picks us up.
dead in sin. How high is it? Takes us to the heights of heaven. So Paul says, you want God to live in you so that you can begin to comprehend, understand what is the breadth and length and depth and height of God's love. Touch somebody and say, so that. So that you may be filled with power. God help us. What a prayer. To be filled with all of the fullness of God. And to be filled with all of the fullness of God means that everything that God has available for the human, you want to be full of it. Now we are full of a lot of stuff. And it's not always full of God. And I don't have to explain that to you because you know. And you know other folk. You know it when you, when you, you, you know what's in them because you hear it ever before you understand anything. Empty wagon make a lot of noise. <laughs> I remember telling you about this man, these animals that were in there in the jungle and and this this little little donkey came down through down and he decided he wanted to do something big that day and he saw a lion suit laying on the ground and he put that lion suit on and he walking through the jungle with that lion suit on and he came across a big elephant. And the donkey now got on the lion suit. He raised up. And the elephant saw him, and the elephant took off and running. Because the lion, he thought he was a lion. The donkey said, hey, this is going to be good. And he went on down through the jungle, and he saw a tiger. And he raised up in that lion suit, and the tiger took off. Man, he was having a good time. And he went around the corner a little further and he saw a fox. And he raised up in that fox suit, in that lion suit, and the fox took off. The donkey couldn't take it no more. He started laughing. Hee-haw, hee-haw, hee-haw. The fox put on brakes. He came back to him. He said, oh, Mr. Donkey, he said, I thought you were a lion until you opened your mouth. <laughs> oh, man, there are a whole lot of people who look like they're lions. They look like they got it going until... <laughs> They open their mouth, then they erase any doubt as to. <laughs> so you gotta be, you gotta be filled. Because what's in you 
is what's going to come out of you. And when you are filled with all of the fullness of God, let me tell you what that's going to be. You're going to be filled with love, with joy, with peace, with goodness, with meekness, with faith, with self-control, with endurance. You're going to be filled with all of the fruits of the Spirit. And when people hear you and when people see you, they will know who you are because what's in you will come out of you. And you can make an impact. You can help other folk find a way. You can help other people experience the value and power and intention of God. There are a lot of lost people and they're looking for a lighthouse. And we used to say, I wonder if the light from the lighthouse will shine on me. But what Paul is saying is that you are the lighthouses and you're being pushed out into this world to make an impact. And you need to be filled with all of the fullness of God so that it runs over, that the love of Jesus just spills over in your life. That people don't have to wonder what kind of fruit tree you are. They can see the fruit ever before they get close to it. And they know that God's hand is on you. What a difference that could make. Thank God for God that not only parents, but I thank God for teachers. Man, I, I had a teacher back when I was probably, I, I'm very early in my school career, who said to all of us, if a task is once begun, never leave it until it's done. Be the labor, great or small. Do it well or not at all. She deposited that nugget in me. I had a great aunt who made me saying, no child is too little for Jesus. He loves and he cares for them all. The master is waiting to bless them. No matter how young or how small, no child is too little to serve him and learn of his heavenly throne. For Jesus loves little children and wants every child for his own. I'm talking about deposits that were made 50, 60 more years ago that are bearing fruit today. People are in heaven who have left their mark. And I'm telling you, God has put you forward that you may make deposits and you may leave marks. You can't walk around being blinded by Satan. You can't walk around being weak on the inside. Gotta be strengthened with might and power. Christ has to, has to take up residence on the inside of your clean life. 
And you have to be able to understand the incomprehensible love of God so that you can be filled with all of the fullness of God so that the power of God may be in you and it may bring glory and honor to him. How much power? Look at, look at, look at what he says. Under him who is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we are able to ask or think according to the power that's at work in you. God has put so much potential power in you that needs to be released but it can't happen if you don't have that power working in you I mean man I used to wonder I mean I can tell the truth God has done some amazing things in my life I mean sometimes it blows my mind because I never could have imagined that some things that God has done, that I would have been a part of it. And guess what I know? That there is more that he's not done. Anybody believe God has done with you? Do you believe that all that God has done has been done? Do you believe you've seen all that God wants you to see? Do you think you've accomplished all that God wants you to accomplish yet? I assure you, you haven't. Apostle John said it like this. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Neither has it yet even entered into the heart of man. The things that be of God. What God has in mind for you and the impacts you can make. Some things you'll see. You might see what, how your children look like you. You may see some of the ways in which they emulate some of the behaviors you've laid down. But there are so many other things that you have no idea about. People come up to me on a daily basis and they say, man, you don't know what you have done for me. And I don't know. And I don't have to know at this point. And I probably won't know until we gather around the throne. And somebody else won't know what they did for me. You won't know what you have done. We can't know all of the things. But God, listen, has set you apart. That's what sanctification is. He has set you apart to make a kingdom impact on the lives of people watch something on TV one night man just spoke a word to a young man put a few dollars in his hand and told him I believe in you that young man's life was totally turned around that man didn't know the impact 
that just that one moment of encounter had possibly made on another. And even though nobody might come back and tell you thank you, they might not praise you, they might not even give you any credit for it, but it's not about you getting credit, it's about God getting the glory. And when he gets the glory, he'll reward it in his own time, his own way. Some of you are caregivers and you sometimes get frustrated and want to give up but Jesus has promised anyone who gives as much as a cup of cold water in my name will not lose a prophet's reward Jesus said I was hungry and you gave me meat I was thirsty and you gave me drink I was sick and you visited me I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you came to me. And people said, Lord, when did we see you like that? And he said, whenever you have done it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you've done it also unto me. So here's my word for you. Go forward. Be blessed, my brother. Be blessed, my sister. Wherever life carries you, let me encourage you. Let me speak life to you. You can depend on God to see you through. You can depend on me to pray for you. Go forward here today and be blessed. We're going to open the doors of the church right here and give somebody an opportunity to receive that blessing. Doors open anytime during the singing of the song. Walk this way. Give God your heart. Give one of these your hand. And let's begin a wonderful life together. Work. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed, my brother. Come on, speak it to us today. Be blessed, my sister. Kingdom impact.
come to prophetic word. change things. Pray for your families. Pray these kinds of things. This is praying right things. And when we have that kind of heart and that kind of mind and that understanding, God will change things. Hey friends, this is Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. And I know by now you know about this new book that we have released. Not only have we released it, the book is here. And it's an excellent read, not just because I wrote it, but because of the content and what it conveys. It tells the story of where marriage comes from. Marriage comes from God. And I need us to know that. And if you're in love and considering this particular path for your life, the content of this book will help you along the way. Not only do we talk about where marriage comes from, 
we talk about keys to compatibility, what's necessary to be effective in marriage. I have a little acronym in the book, it's called CUT, C-U-T, Communication, Understanding, Trust. That becomes the basic formula that's necessary for any marriage to be successful. Not only do we talk about those things and the keys to compatibility, we also talk about staying in love. Once you're in love, we certainly want to remain in love. And some may wonder, well, what if I married the wrong person? We even deal with that as well. So this is a great opportunity for you to make sure that you're in line with what God's will is for your life. God bless you. Please follow the prompts on the screen that you may know how to get your personal copy of this book. Friends, this is Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. We really appreciate all of the love and support that you have shown to us through these broadcasts. We've been hearing from people and our friends all over, and we want you to pray about being a supporter and a prayer partner and a supporter of this television ministry. If you believe the Holy Spirit has ministered the Word of God to you and you'd like to see this ministry continue and to share it with your friends, please consider being a supporter. Follow the prompts on the screen. We would love to hear from you.